0: Yeah, brother, there's a lot of people out there talking about us, for us, at us, but seldom with us. So it's time that we get out there and express our voices, share our worldview, and become accountable. Why? Because I am Five fibs, a podcast that invites free-thinking black men into a shared space for unapologetic conversations. About contemporary issues related to self, society, and the world. So join us for these provocative moments. Let's get at it. Welcome to I Am Five Fifths. I'm your host, Ahmad Mansour. I'm your co host, Bill Thompson. So today is our first edition of the I Am Five Fifths Forum. Where we talk to black men about a range of issues that's going on within self, society, and the world, we invite free-thinking black men to share their um, to share space for an unapologetic conversation about contemporary issues. We want to hear about their experiences as black men without defaulting to some of the commonly held stereotypes, assumptions, and narratives. We'll be engaging this black these black men from every angle of reality with the topic of fatherhood. And so first, I just wanna welcome these brothers to I Am Five Fifths. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. So brother Bill, we got an exciting, uh, this is our first one, man. And I know that you and I have really been excited about uh, having this conversation about a topic that is really at the forefront of um, of what it means, the one aspect of what it means to be a black man and that is black fatherhood. How are you feeling about that today? Hey, black, I
1: mean, look, man, we got some together down black men, man, that I feel bring in, each has the different voice around fatherhood. And you and I know, man, this is one of those things, man, that, um it's just it's it's one of those conversations all of us have at one point in our lives, so I'm
0: really looking forward to having this conversation with these brothers today. All right, so what do you think? What what what? How should we start this off, man? I know you I know you had a question that uh, you want to throw out there, just as a way of getting warmed up to know who these brothers are.
1: Right. Well, look, hey, brother, so we're gonna do something a little unconventional, man. Anybody know me and the mob, man. Y'all know me and the mob don't don't run by the 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 way, the normal way of doing things, man. We contrarians at heart. So the first thing I said, instead of going around and everybody saying, Hey man, I, you know, I went to this school, this is what I do, I'm big baller, number one. I wanted everybody just to do a little something different, man. I want you to do two things. Tell us one thing about yourself that you feel uh, you would want the world to know. And then, secondly, say another thing about yourself that you believe people get wrong about you. So, Ahmad, I'll let you lead the conversation around the horn to do that. Well, any,
0: anyone who wants, I love that, man. Anyone who wants to raise their hand first and just get it started, let's uh-huh. do it.
2: I go first. The first question was: Tell
1: us something about yourself uh-huh. that you would want people to know about you. Basically,
2: yep. Uh, I would say, at heart, I just want folks to know that uh, you know that I really do care about uh, where we are, where we've been, and where we're going as a as a collective. Uh, I also want people to know that, I, you know, I really do make the effort um, spiritually uh, to be present and be, you know, be there to uplift and and, and contribute to the well-being. Um, I think what people get wrong about me is that uh, I think some people might mistake uh, Instances where, you know, where I'm like hyper-focused and, uh, as being a, maybe a little aloof. Um, but that's not it. I'm, I just like to, you know, stay focused and, and get things done and done well. Um, and I think that's pretty much it.
1: Hey, and uh, for the sake of the podcast, why don't whenever uh, we call on you, why don't everybody just give their full name so we'll know who
0: who's speaking? My name uh, just spoke Armand Garrett. Yeah. Thanks, Armand. I appreciate that, brother. You got to speak a little bit more up into the mic, just a little bit more too. Okay. So, it, right. so, so we, we want to mel- we want to welcome Michael Penn to this conversation. How you doing, Michael?
3: Brothers, um, I'm doing good. Uh, I wish I had gotten
0: the time right, but uh, glad to be here as <laughs> well. No, we're glad to have you here. So really we just started and, uh, and, and brother Bill just threw out a question. So we're just kind of going around the horn to get to know each other a bit more. Uh, You guys are spread out throughout the country and the world, and so we love that. And this is just a real quick moment for everyone just to introduce themselves through Bill's unique question that he put out there. Anyone wants to, first, maybe Bill, you wanna reiterate that so that Michael know what that is, and then we can start, continue to go around the horn here.
1: Yeah, hey, Mike, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, man um so we all we're doing we're asking everybody just give one thing about themselves they will want people to know and then the second question is tell us something about yourself that people get wrong about you
4: yeah i'll go ahead
0: and take the next one Uh,
4: go ahead kevin so so yeah my name is uh kevin owens i'm out of michigan here uh currently and uh I will say the number one thing about me that, uh, you know, I feel I have is, is what I would say is a Southern charm. Born and raised in Texas, very easy going. I get along with just about anybody and everybody I meet. Uh, the flip side of that, um, in terms of what I think folks get wrong about me, is that, you know, maybe they can take a little bit of advantage of me. So, um, but until you get to know me and, and you understand who I am, uh, I think that goes away.
1: And that brother cook of me jambalaya and gumbo. <laughs> Let's not forget that etouffee, etouffee, <laughs> pineapple upside down cake. Where they say, "Man, make you slap your mama." That's so good.
0: Oh man! <laughs> Who's next? I'll,
5: I'll go next. Um, so welcome, brothers. Um, Herman Few. I'm uh, in Los Angeles area. And I have to say that the, probably the number one thing I would want the world to know about me is I have given it my absolute best to try to raise my kids and to take care of my mother before she passed. Regardless of what mistakes you think I may have made, they were honest, hardcore, I gave it my best and I'm still giving it my best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something I would like the world to know where they get it wrong. you know, I'm kind of a big guy. I'm six five, close to 240, bald-headed, but I'm not an angry black man. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Um I'm really a very peaceful young man. Even though I'm 55, I still say young man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that's that's right That's where I'm at.
0: Thank you. Right love on. being right here. Right on, Glad to have you here, brother.
3: Uh, I'll go next. Um, so I guess what I would want um, people of the world to know is that I am fiercely dedicated to my spiritual growth. That is like my number one kind of organizing principle Um, I'm in the Bay Area, so uh, I live in Emeryville, which is between uh, Oakland and Berkeley, and um, things that people get wrong, so, you know, I'm a a, a bit of an overachiever, I suspect, like um, a lot of the brothers on this call, but um, what people get wrong about me is, um, you know, I get insecure and you know, I experience self-doubt and, and all these things. And often when people look at the surface, all they see are the letters behind my name and all that stuff. And, you know, that that has definitely been isolating, um, I would say, to some degree. So what people often get wrong is that I'm human, basically.
1: <laughs> all right. And Mike, make sure we that. give your name, man, so people know. Oh, sorry, Mike, Michael Penn. Yeah. Great. No problem. No problem. Thanks, Thank you, man. man.
6: I'm last. Uh, my name is Barry McSwain. Uh, excited to hear about this panel. Uh, you guys are a great group. I would say the number one thing that would I would want the world to know about me is ambition. Uh, ambition and greed for, for love, for growth, for business, for money, for everything, for life. I, 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 I like, I love life. I want it all. I get a little over my skis, but man, it's good stuff. Uh, I think what people might get wrong a little bit with me is that compassion doesn't always come with that right uh, or they think that that if I'm ambitious for 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 all those other things that uh, the love uh, that I have for uh, my community my folks uh, are not ne- doesn't necessarily go in hand in hand, uh, but it does.
0: Right on. Thanks be right on. What? Thanks brother Thanks, john. Bro. Oh, uh,
7: so uh, I am out of the Bay Area, Oakland, via the Deep South, and now to South America. So I'm here in South America right now. Um, what I like people to know about me is basically I'm an explorer, um, information junk junkie. I'm always loving to read and to learn, and what I like most is listening to other people's experiences. Uh, um, that that people what people get wrong is how do I describe it? So there's a lot of people that are getting a the crowd. And they feel like they have to some, say something, otherwise people would think they're stupid. And I don't I don't do that. Uh, it was an oak says talk because they have say talk because they have to, and smart people talk because they have something to say. So uh, people may take, oh, this person is quiet, um, you know, and, but I feel no need to jump out and say anything that I have to say. Good stuff. Thank you, brother. Good
0: stuff. So so this is interesting because we have such a range of people, not only from around the world, but from different walks of life, uh, different types of experiences uh, with how, uh, they have uh, they have raised their kids and been in their kids life. So given all of that, um, you know, since this is about fatherhood, if you can just from a very deep inspirational space um, and beyond, what exactly does fatherhood mean to you? You know, how do you define it in the context of your own life?
2: Hmm. I, I'll take that first. Uh, I. I think for me, I define it by what my mom taught me. And I think what her mom, not I think I'm certain her mom taught her. Um, She would always say, uh, you know, I don't work, I don't go, I don't get up and go to work for anyone. I don't work for no one. I work for my kids. And I've always carried that notion within me that, you know. There was always putting the children first, making sure that you know that responsibility was never overshadowed by you know maybe personal needs or wants. Um, so I've always been guided by that that principle of always making sure that I understood every time I get up and go out, you know what I'm doing this for and who I'm doing it for. So for me, it's always been uh, a motivating factor having children. Right. What about you, Kevin?
4: You know, that's a a great question. I think uh, for me, there's no perfect definition of what fatherhood is to me. I think it's no different than us on this call here as human beings. When you wake up, you don't know what you're gonna face. And when I was, you know, first, you know, given that opportunity to be a father to my kid, um, you know, my world flipped around in terms of, it's not about me anymore. It's about that kid and what I can do to raise that kid to be who he or she wants to be. Uh, And I got two boys, so it's more he. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a day-to-day grind. I think it's indefinite. As long as I'm breathing, as long as those kids are breathing, I'm a father. Uh, There's a fleshly father in terms of anybody can make a baby, relatively speaking. And there's a spiritual side of it, the mental, the emotional. And that's what I focus on is that, how do I be part of their lives emotionally spiritually uh, and mentally and and that changes as, as they grow as we grow because we change every day they change every day and how you adapt to that so one fatherhood for you and others on this call is not the same for the next person sitting next to you it's all different it's how you adapt and truly that's what the definition of fatherhood is, I to can... me, is how you adapt. go chime
7: in go for it um is it my turn am i talking okay to me I think the I has been about stewardship um, and then basically to stay out of the way. Uh, I don't want to transfer, I, I've never wanted to transfer my fears and my biases onto my child. What I wanted to do is just let her explore who she wanted to be, support her, and basically kind of get out of the way. Um, and um, we have a very, very close relationship. I can also say that in many ways we're closer than her. her, her or mom, maybe you know have a different with your father than you do your mother, uh, but we're very close and we've been close, uh, you know, for a long, you know, since the beginning. I cut her cord, the doctor wrapped her up, and gave her to me, and then she stopped crying. Uh, then, uh, home, early part of her childhood. So when she was a baby, I got a chance to be around her, um, and so uh, even to this day, we're still close, and she'll call me up. She calls me her guru, and she was so excited that she had a menstrual cycle i'm like whoa i don't know this something. <laughs> so she, she was telling me you know her and her cousin has a cousin around her same age who would have like, oh okay so that was like wow that we're really really close in that regard so
1: you know john stewardship is the main thing you know john it it, it may this made me think you know uh amada been rapping about this you know we I know we got some brothers on the call that are married and in stable relationships. And I know some brothers on the call that might not be uh, still connected to the mother of their child. I I just want to know if anybody want to give any thoughts around that when you're, you know, when you're being in the home with your child constantly versus, you know, you only get to see your child a certain period of time. Anybody want to chime in? Feel I've, free. I've
7: been, I've been both. Um, early part of my childhood up until about six, we were in the same. Out of state. So that was a whole traveling back and forth thing. And um, you can stay in your child's life. Mike's situation, if you've never been at that base, it may be a little different. But we had that base up until age six to stay on age oh, And so she's been coming back and forth. And um, so I, I can speak to, I think having that base may be a little different than having that foundation and then having a the separation and someone's never been and I'm just quite different, because you're know, out on certain things and you know, no one ever thinks about, they you can know, always think about the mother. No one ever thinks about all the things like her, her first tennis match. You know, I played tennis, a uh, USTA junior circuit player, and then she played in high from first match. And, you know, I felt like I was missing out. So, um, it's, you know, it's a little different, but a lot of people, they're intact relationships and that's completely different as well. Thank you, man. <clears throat> Kevin,
2: you were going to say So, something? Few, it's
0: interesting because yeah. I know one, one of the things that I call I call Herman Few. So, just 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 a little FYI there. So, Few, I, it's interesting because when I hear John talking about, uh, you know, his daughter coming to him about, uh, her, her start of her menstrual cycle. I think that's something that you, uh, can attest to as well. Uh, so if you can just kind of speak about fatherhood in the context, of uh, what it means to you, but also, um, bringing whatever, um, 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 w- w- just bringing that aspect in, uh, as a father. Absolutely. So,
5: I mean, for me, <laughs> You know, I really embraced fatherhood. Um, you know, I felt like I became a father later in life. My my daughter was born, I was 38. And I had gotten married about 28. So I, we were, I was in my marriage for almost 10 years before my daughter was born. Um, me and my wife were trying to have a child and it began to look like it just wasn't going to happen. So we even looked at the potential of adoption. So, when my daughter finally came and got here, I, I felt like it was for me a new beginning, a blessing, just a tremendous blessing. And I really, I really took to it, you know what I mean, I really embraced it. And uh, unfortunately, I'll just make this quick, but unfortunately, um, I think the birth of, of my son, which was four years after my daughter was born was the beginning of the, well, not the beginning, but was the final straw in our marriage. So as wonderful as the kids were, I think that just between me and their mother, we just could no longer coexist. So that created a whole nother situation for me. I mean, a whole different life and I won't even begin to go into all that. But well, I will address Ahmad's question with respect to what a father means to me. I, I feel like it's the biggest blessing and I was able to, um, I didn't think I was gonna be perfect, but I was at a point, I was mature enough to know the importance and I just, I just made a commitment that I'm gonna do everything I possibly can do to get this Isn't right, you know? And I just, I just embraced it, you know? Um, I listened to, to John when he speaks about his relationship with his daughter, very, very similar to me and my relationship with my daughter, we're very, very close. And in fact, um, I remember my daughter was 12 and right up until, um, right before that, I thought about, well, you know, she's gonna be having her cycle here pretty soon. And prior to that happening, I, I, I was like, I didn't really know how I felt about having to deal with it. But I began to realize that we were so close that I almost wanted her have that experience, I wanted to be there when she had that experience, even though I wasn't a woman and to some degree, I was afraid of it, but I wanted to be able to reassure her that it was gonna be okay. And I, I shuddered to think that she would have that experience and I wasn't around to communicate with her and make sure emotionally and psychologically that she was okay. And, you know, traditionally we think that's the mother's role, you know, and the mother's gonna handle that. And I think in most cases that will be the case. But in my situation, there was such a disconnection between the mother and my daughter that physically she could help her, but mentally and emotionally, I know she couldn't have. So yeah. to make it quick, it, it, it did occur when she was with me. And I just, I just remember telling her that it's nothing to be afraid of. And she kind of was like, well, dad, I don't, I really don't want to do that. I, I don't want this to happen. And I said, well, no, actually you do because that means you're okay. If, if it didn't happen, that would be a problem. But um, I just, that, that incident just really solidified to me that, man, we as fathers, we can do whatever we need to do for our kids. And, and we got to step up in areas that we didn't anticipate we can get it done. So um, fatherhood means because, because the challenge that I've had to stay in my kid's life, um, it's become, I have to just, it's become a calling. I mean, I, I work as a fatherhood specialist. I work with men on this, so.
0: Mm. Thank you. So I, I, I want to follow up with uh, this and just kind of put a little twist to it. You know, as you know, the media uh, really conveys, um, or should I say, they don't necessarily convey uh, our images um, as in a positive light as as uh, as as black fathers. Um, do you feel that socially, or you know, through the media and other uh, influences, that um, the kind of the zeitgeist has an impact? On you as a black father, or do you perceive that the world perceive you different as a black male and and as a father? Anyone?
6: I'll, I'll answer that. I I think it does to to a certain degree. Oh, quickly! I do think people. I'm sorry. You know, I, I think I, I think that. I mean, <clears throat> it, it it kind of you're. All, I mean, it's it's hard not to be black in America, right? And so I, I just from a from an interaction standpoint, and uh, I, I made a point to to attend every single field trip, you know, for my for for my my girl for Sky, same with AJ, and and insert myself in PTA and and the parents and the teachers and kind of be uh, be very present, you know, partly for that reason, right? I mean, obviously I have my own reason for for the care of my child, but also to kind of challenge that stereotype to, to, a, to a large degree and, and be involved. And I think speaking, I think Kevin and John had some really good points about meaning the fatherhood I agree with, with Kevin in terms of being fluid. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a moving object, at least for me, uh, mm-hmm. I think when I, you know, when I first started and, and to John's point of getting out of the way. Right. I think mm-hmm. beginning of my, I mean, my fatherhood started a little bit later, I adopted my kids at a little bit older age, but you know, uh, I think as a black man, you have projections on what you think your kids should do in this society, you project things from your side. And I think it took me a while I learned more about being a father by stepping away and uh, and, and listening to my kids and what they need and their trajectory, as opposed to imposing uh, my own thoughts on what a, a father should or should not do, or what they should accomplish. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I like a lot of what you guys are saying because you know, it, it, it kind of underlines how important you have to be there, but also have some self reflection, you know, that yeah. it leave the ego at the door a bit. And, and that took me, it took me two, three years <laughs> to learn that. Yeah. That wasn't overnight. Right. right. And, you
1: know, you know Barry, yeah, man, me. I'm going to say I had the honor of meeting your father, man. So you had a phenomenal role model, man, because, yo, man, like they don't make them like that no more.
6: No, and, no, no, and yet yo
1: man was what, like tops of the top man and so you you had a phenomenal role model to get you set man so you know big props to your father
4: man giving giving your father some love right now
6: oh yeah and, 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 and bill, I, th- I
4: think that's a i think that's a great point bill in terms of what you just said because you know we as men or we as people we're raised by who we're raised by right whether you have a father in the house or you do not have a father in the house and when you become a father, a lot of who we are and how we're shaped kind of drives us and motivates us to say, hey, do you want to be like that dad that wasn't there for their kid? And it motivates you to do more. And there's a little bit of pressure there. You know, I agree with you in terms of the, the social media and things of that nature in terms of Black fathers, but also just your upbringing. And how do you make it a better time or a better opportunity for your kids when you raise them and i think um you know we got to create that balance uh to not stress ourselves you know to be at every event you know example and kind of funny but if my kid plays sports and he's sitting on the bench yeah i'll be there every game but some games i may not if i got something else to do that's providing for him and you just sit on the bench and not playing let's just be honest with one another you got to yep. communicate to your kid and say hey Here's some motivation for you to, you know, play better, work harder, do whatever it has to be, or pick another sport. I don't know. I'll come to the games where you start playing, and I'm being, I'm being funny, but at the same time, you got to put things in perspective, as I said earlier, in terms of adapting, communicating, understand what does it really mean. You know, me being there for you every single day, when truly, is it value added? Could I be doing something else that would do something for you late in life? So. Yeah, it's just so many points you can so many so much discussion you can kind of drive. Well, around. Kevin,
0: that's a great point because I, I, from what I hear when I speak to a lot of uh, black men, um, you know, who are fathers, you know, the question becomes, you know, how much does, you know, their past, whether they grew up in a single parent family or, you know, one of their parents who um, wasn't as present, uh, whether it was the mom or dad, um, mm-hmm how much does that play into you know you you know there's some people just that will take those experiences and feel like they need to become a super dad um, mm-hmm. There's others who you know feel like um um that the experience of having children is almost a form of their own therapy so you know how just to pick up on your your uh, your question I mean, you know, if if you can, if someone can just kind of describe, you know, how did their family experience really shape their fatherhood? And I know Armand, you had mentioned that before, but I I just want to see if I can grab one more person to to speak on that. So I'd love
3: to just, because so I grew up both parents in the household, but my mom was very much an authoritarian. And so she um, really cast, I mean, basically disrespected my dad continuously and he accepted it. And so I'll never forget when I realized that my wife, Jocelyn was pregnant with a boy. I mean, I can't tell you how much fear I had in that moment because I didn't know whether I was gonna be able to support a son to grow up, right? And, and so that, um, that was really scary. Um, you know, and in in terms of what fatherhood means to me, I mean, being a father is it's a miracle. I mean, it is. You know, I'm I'm a I'm in the Bay Area, so I definitely uh, lean. Uh, what does my uh, brother say? Uh, granola, spiritually granola, if you will. <laughs> um, but I believe um, you know in this idea of you know our thoughts create our reality. And when I think about you know the thought of having a kid and then I look at and witness my son I have a son and a daughter I mean like right he he just started as a thought in both of our minds and and here is this being right that is now autonomous right like he's got his own personality he's eleven and I've got a, a little girl who's nine um You know, and then the other piece that I do want to just amplify, you know, John's point around stewardship. I mean, I believe that those souls came down and chose me and Jocelyn, right, to steward their experience on this earth. And so I just, I view it as a tremendous privilege and responsibility. And I mean, it's funny, I I often um, remind myself that it's as much about learning from my kids as it is me teaching them. And I've learned so much um, from them. It's it's uh, it's just a gift, man, it really is. That's
7: right. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I wanna highlight my kids go. and going back to what Kevin said, that you have to evolve as your kid evolves until you think one thing and then your kid change and now you have to adjust. There's a lot of involve and do it as your kids go through these stages because once you think you got it right okay they changed and now you know you have to you have to
4: shift that's right and your foundation has to be there right no different than this pandemic we're going through how do you pivot how do you adjust and adapt and if you can adapt as a parent your kids can adapt along with you
2: my experience is a little bit Different in that I started parenthood at a very young age. I was 18 when my first son was born, and I had no blueprint. Um, my father at the time uh, had divorced my mother, so I was, you know, uh, I, mean, I don't want to go down a too dark of a path, but anyway, um, point being is that, I, you know, there was not really that playbook available to me in terms of how to, you know, do this right, if you will. So a lot of it was just trial by error learning, you know, kind of as I went along, but I, you know, I have four children, uh, ranging in age, the youngest is 20, the eldest is 39 and between the youngest and the, the, between my youngest son and my youngest daughter, there's a 10 year gap. I always think, uh, when I first started out, I knew nothing about being a parent. I was just simply motivated for doing the right thing. It was part of my family upbringing. You took care of your responsibility. You, you did the right thing. Um, so when my first son was born, it was a huge struggle trying to figure out how to be a, a good dad, other than just getting a job and paying the bills. But in trying to transfer something on to him that I felt he could work with as he was growing up. It was a little difficult because I didn't have much to work with myself. Um, So, by the time my first daughter was born, I was uh, in my mid-20s, and at that time, I was very excited about being a father of a daughter, you know, father of my first daughter, um, and having gone through, you know, that experience, and then some three years later, I had my second daughter, and then, of course, nine years later, my second son incrementally, in between each of those children, I felt like it was a learning experience. I, I felt like from the first one I stumbled, I made a lot of mistakes, but I promised myself, I wouldn't, you know, transfer those on to my daughter, I would learn and I would apply that knowledge. Um, I struggled with my first daughter, I didn't really have it all that well together. But by the time my second daughter came along, I, I, I had a little bit better, I, I, you know, I was definitely a lot more effective. And then certainly, you know, by the time my youngest son came along, I felt like I really had this thing called fathering down. I understood it enough to be as effective as I could possibly be. And I think for me, it was just, you know, trial and error, learning through, you know, experiences, good and bad. Um, uh, Part trying to apply like uh, some of what John was saying earlier about, you know, you get to a certain point where you, you you want to impart as much as you can to help your children grow. I think by the time they're three years old, if you don't have a really solid relationship with them, it's kind of difficult really that and beyond that. So being there, being present, uh, I dealt with the divorce, I dealt with the separations and the anxieties that come with it and, and dealt with that even between the third and fourth child actually dealt with it between the first and second child and the third and fourth child um so long story short is is that it was a learning process i felt you know what guided me of course was the principles that i learned from you know my mother and my grandmother because they are effectively the ones that kind of raised me. um and uh yeah I, I really do feel like uh you know I've, i'm still learning you know even at this point you know my youngest son is dealing with some issues at at 20, that you know are you know challenges that uh you know I didn't have to deal with with my oldest son when he was the same age, so it's you know it's still a learning process, uh, it's continuous. But being there, being present, being willing and and, and wanting to learn and grow is what's sustained me for, uh, for the last what 39 years. I've, I've been a father, ironically, longer. I'm 58. I've been a father for 39 years. So I've this is all I've known. You know. Uh, the, the daily rhythm, this is all I know, you know.
0: Uh, you should have the title, man. You should start calling you father or mom, man. That's like that's like three quarters of your life, brother. I would get, I would, I would, I would, for some
2: reason, I think I would get defrocked. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: so but I appreciate so Bill, the I, notion.
2: but anyway so that's it
0: that's it well i know i know dollar bill you're going to want to follow up with uh follow up this question i'm going to throw out here um so I, i want to put this out because and it's it's around income and employability and how that kind of plays into uh family life and and raising kids Um, You know, we all go through ups and downs in our employment, we all have to find ways to make a living. How has um, income employability played into how one Mm -hmm. defines value as a father and as a as a as a caregiver. That will make you think, don't it?
1: That make you think. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'll I'll start. I'll I'll start
3: by saying, um, you know, my mom was the primary income in our household, Um, and you know, when my son was born, um, so he's he he was born with a genetic um, abnormality that required surgery. He spent the first ten days of his life in in the NICU. and it became clear that my wife continuing her job just was not going to work, you know, and, and the, the, my vision, at least of being married was two incomes, power, you know, all the stereotypical stuff. And, you know, it's like, that's one thing the Father, it, it blows up all your ideas about whatever you thought life was about, at least for me. Um, and so, that transition to like single income, right, is all on me um, was hard, particularly when I lost a job, right? Like I was asked to leave a job and that devastated me because at the time, my notion of what it meant to be a father was to be that, provi- to be that provider. And, and I probably put extra on it, right? Because, because my dad wasn't, you know, um, a primary income. And so like I had to work through some serious mental health stuff and get on the other side of it to sort of, I think recognize, you know, that it's like, yes, it's about that. And it's about a lot more than that.
1: Great, thank you.
0: Man, I got to I know
7: I, that's uh, that's a deep one. Yeah, let, let, let me throw... Let, let Jeter... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, John, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Well, I. So, okay, yeah, my family background, my father was there and I grew up in an intact family. He passed away when I was nine, but I had that huge extended family. So I saw all the men, uh, most of the fam, uh, couples in my family were together. So I saw intact families. And so, of course, you know, especially being in the South, you're seeing men with various roles. You're seeing men with breadwinners, but they're also doing other roles out of necessity. <laughs> that would help me. But in me. but when I got older and actually going through the divorce, it was I thought I was forced to make a choice um, because I had grown up. I mean, I first I was from thinking, well, I don't get to see my child every night. And so I, had to feel, I felt like it was a choice. Do I want to stay in her life? Do I want to just go out and earn as much as I can and provide money? Um, and, and toward being in her life and seeing her. So I basically stopped my, I had a career in advertising. I basically stopped that. I started taking evening jobs, weekend jobs, just so I could see her in the middle of the day and it was a sacrifice that I made and I was trying to you know mitigate that by doing other things but it does have an effect um and I think I eventually made the right choice um you know because everything that she she's asked for she's tended there for, really been financial um and so even though I did have you know have to pay you know, when that when we get into the courts that's a whole another area um and then you know being a non-custodial parent and having you do have to make sort of a choice. And I see men on their deathbed that earned a lot of money and to a man, everyone said, I should have spent more time with my family. And my, I missed out on so many things in my kids.
0: Great, thank you. Anyone want to um, follow up with that before before uh, I hand it over to Dollar Bill? I know he has a follow-up question. Yeah, I, I'd like to speak to that real quick. So. For me, I I
5: truly had to make a decision because when my relationship broke up, I think my ex wife and even the system was kind of like, what we'd like for you to do is just send a check, support that way, and give it all and give the raising over to the mother, you know? And I wasn't okay with that. You know, and not to mention my my situation was very complicated because my kids were taken from the Bay Area to Los Angeles. So essentially what had to happen was um, I had to make enough money to pay child support and to survive. But for me to really develop my career, if I would have went that direction, I wouldn't have been able to keep the relationship with my kids. And that meant... um, I didn't miss, and I don't like to use the word visitation because I don't believe you visit your kids. So I talk, I, I refer to it as custodial time. If they're with me, it's my custodial time. If they're with the mother, it's her custodial time. I don't visit my kids, but for me to not Love that for me to not miss any of my custodial time ever, no matter what the circumstances were, it had a major effect on my professional career. So I left a lot of money on the table, a lot of job opportunities. Um, I had a career in education that I wasn't able to expand upon. I was an entrepreneur that I really wasn't able to expand upon. I had to put all that aside. And, um, but consequently I was able to have a, a, a fabulous, and I currently do, a wonderful relationship with my kids. Um, And if I had to do it over again, I would do it this way. But financially has cost me an unbelievable amount of money. And I just, I I don't think we as men, as fathers should have to make that decision. I think you should be able to, to, to do both. But I know, and this is another conversation, but I know systemically the system is not really set up for us to do both. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do, because I like to focus and help make a change where where men can can be involved in their kids' lives, but still be the individual men that they need to be, which the kids benefit from anyways. Because some of the choices I had to make, my kids miss out on some of the financial stuff that I would have had, I don't have to give them. So it ain't just me, but it's their loss too.
0: Before I hand it over to to uh, th- thank you, uh, Her- Herman. Before I hand it over to to uh, to Brother Bill to follow up, I-, I just want to say about Herman uh, because I, I we're, we're going to have to invite this brother on separately and just do a a story with him just on his epic story. Um, that's that that's pretty incredible. Liter- literally, it's incredible. I've been trying to get that brother to write a book on it. But <clears throat> one of the things about Herman is that um, as I knew him, he was literally. Uh, commuting every week from um, um, from the Bay Area down to uh, Los Angeles so that he maintained that relationship and that there was just no gap there. And so I know I, I literally saw the impact of that on his career because his background is in sports psychology. Um, anyway, Bill, go ahead, brother. I'm, I'm sorry for hogging up that time. I just wanted to get that in.
1: Matt, you know, as you can see, this is one of these, forums mod that we could be on here for hours because there's so much to cover um and the one thing I actually did have a financial question but I don't know if I'm gonna open up a can of worms here but I'm gonna say <laughs> it you know because I've always felt that the court systems were against black fathers you know and you know I'm I'm a product of a single parent home where my father wasn't around, but I had, you know, grandfather and uncles who stepped up, Did, you know, I'm opening up a can of worms. Does anybody want to talk about the court systems and how they were treated without, you know, without, yeah. without, oh, yeah. oh, here we go. All right. Yes. I'm going on mute. Here we go. Here come oh, the worms.
7: Yes. <laughs> and, and <I laughs> Can John, can I, I, can want quick, I want to quickly go and then get out of the way because my story i know if you you store the book it's really it, it I, I i'm familiar with that story but I, the only thing i would say is about the course is uh, it's it's regressive the laws are outdated and it's not the distinct i was a guy I cut the, the cord, I was with her, I grew up with her, took care of her, I was in her life. But the courts make no distinction between that and some guy that got a girl pregnant in the backseat of a car outside of a club and wants... and it's designed for chasing apathy and not supporting the millions of men that are fighting to get in their kids' lives. There's no one, to... it's an invisible fight because everyone gets so... It's so to finger in somewhere doing something bad or bad black men somewhere who's effing up and the men that are actually want to be fathers get no support at
0: all that's a good that's a good starter there um
2: brother armand wow yeah the court systems are ruthless man and i mean unrelenting and just insensitive to the whole notion of family in general it's ironic that they call themselves family courts um my experience has been yeah i've been dogged and chased and licensed suspensions and you know accounts uh, uh, picked through and you name it but having said all that i, I you know I, I, it's very temporal that whole process i mean it, it it you know i've like i said i've been parenting for 37 years and i've only had that experience really with two of the children and that experience I mean, while I was immersed in it at the time, it was, it was the worst thing imaginable. But time went by and I paid the bills and, you know, and then, you know, everything settled itself. And long story short, it didn't really have any impact on my relationship with my children. It may have stressed out my relationship with their mother, but no direct impact with children whatsoever. I wouldn't allow it. Um, so, my, you know, I guess what I'm trying to do is, you know, Impart a little bit of uh, uh, advice in terms of how to deal with that specific issue, and that is, you know, patience is the only way to get through it. You know, uh, I think that's that's what worked for me—just patience and, and 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 you know, you got to go through it. Uh, if if there was a way to change the system, I would I would do it overnight. But you know, you got to kind of play the game the way the game is set up to be played. So um, dagger.
0: Yeah. So Bera. Uh, uh, Bmac, I call it Bear Bmac. By the way, you don't the cats don't <laughs> know? So you, you had a different situation. You you've um, but you did have to engage the court system and um, and I guess kind of the bureaucracy of agencies, you know, for adoption. How did how arduous was that process, and how much did it impact you in terms of just your own? Sense of uh, well-being, and, and I'm throwing this to you. But I actually, as a follow-up to those others that had to inter- interact with the court system, what was the impact on your own kind of like well-being and mental health? But go ahead, B Mac. That, that's that's a good question.
6: Uh, you know, uh, you know, a, 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 a adopting a my two kids was, was was a was a tough endeavor as well. Um, uh, we were kind of coming stepping in in in, in a situation that was was, uh, was existing was not healthy, and basically coming in and and being parents. Um, now I, I think it's a little different from 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 uh, from most from most scenarios, but I, I think to the to to, uh, to point. Uh, it just really you have to dr- drive hard to to connect with the kid uh, outside of the court scenario right the y- y- court is very 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 tough and it's not it's not it's not strategic on the best interest of the children as it's, it's usually it's a lot of a lot of drama between the, the the adults if you will right so you just have to really drill down I mean it sounds simple but you have to connect with the kids outside of the court connected with them and, and just kind of tackle them let them know that you know that that it's, this is not the end, end result and that, you know, you, you want them. you know, to Herman's point, I think Herman makes a great point. Like he's made huge sacrifices and kids need to know that, right. You got it. You got it. You got to let them know that you, 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 are you're pretty much hundred percent committed, you know, to like to Bill's, Bill's point before, like with my pops, man, he, you know, I, I got lucky, man. He was hundred percent in on me, right. He, he sat on my chest from day one day two, you know, to the end. And I needed that to, to do the same thing for my kid, right? Uh, it's easy to pay it forward when you got it, right? When you get some love, there's a lot to give back. And, 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 and you leverage your relationships. I, you know, I, got, I got lucky. I got a great, great partner. So I learned a lot how I treat my women women in life through how my dad treated my mom. And, and I leverage that with my, my kids saying, look, son, or whatever it is, uh, you know, you see how I treat your, you know, you treat your auntie or your mom. Uh, that gives me, gives me, gives me firepower when I talk to them about real subjects, real topics. I get off a little bit there, but that's all part of communication and leverage uh, to express, I, I, you know. I think you hit that right on the head, man. I
4: think, you know, with all you guys, and I'm in a, a great situation with my spouse or with my wife where everything is stable, but I have friends who who are going through the same exact things, you know, you guys are going through, and as if you can write a book, you know, where it stops right now with our generation, our, our kids and us is like, here's what you can do to make this better and, and kind of learn from those examples. You know, you, you heard of preventative exams. It's the same thing. How do you prevent yourself from getting into this situation that you can do? Now, some things are uncontrollable and you got to deal with that, but you can knock off a majority of that if you just understand vetting your wife, vetting <laughs> who you date. And then and developing that relationship to not get into a situation where the wife is cuckoo and leave, you know, it's all those things, man, right? Um, and then how you balance that thing. So when you get those kids, how do you balance spending time with your kids, spending time with your wife? Because somebody's going to get cheated. And if the wife gets cheated, she's out. And now you're dealing with the court system again. Something as simple as that. So I think all those things need to be documented and, and kind of passed on. How do I teach my son how to pick a wife? or a spouse, or a a friend, or a relationship.
2: Kevin, would you also add to that, how do you uh, teach your son or or how to deal with the the implications when things go wrong in a relationship?
4: Yeah, and I think it it goes back to your foundation, the grace that God gives us. How do we give grace to the people that we interact with? And and what's worth getting upset about? And what is worth just saying, you know what? Let it go. Pick your battles. Pick your fights. I've been in situations, man, where I know if I had said one more thing, and this is before I was married, it's like, it could have gotten ugly. Mm -hmm. And it would have been something else where it's like, you know what? I'm going to walk away from that. No different than me getting ready to, you know, bump heads with another guy. And I know if I I square up and start fighting, he has a gun on him. So do I want to do that? Absolutely not. You know what? It's not worth it. I walk away and I'm healthy and I'm living. If I keep that fight going, I likely get shot and killed. And that's just an example as to how do you treat the people you, you know, your date and how do you, your marriage and all those things, and how do you keep things, what buttons to push, what buttons not to push. So
2: that's, that's it comes to you intelligence right there, you know. You got it. And, and I think that's something that uh, I'm attempting to try to share with my sons, particularly. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I think sometimes we kind of get prone, Kevin, we get wrapped up in, in our uh, negative emotions, and shit just spirals. So, you know.
4: Go ahead.
7: No, I'm done. I was just saying what Kevin, what Kevin said. I was. It was so funny what you just said about your, the confrontation. I was just until Navy Seal, and Navy Seal, Navy what's the best defense of a fight The navy seal said if you can run run
5: yeah
0: no that's <laughs> absolutely
5: that's that's absolute. that's absolutely yeah what, what, what you know is you know
0: it's, it's such a great point because actually that that is um you know that that's the basic principle of the uh of the of the known book the art of war like mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah, and, yeah exactly you know if like, so you, know, so you can avoid that out. But but that but that, I think that's very interesting because I think as as black men let's let's be real about it, you know we're we're all you know a lot of us were trained to, uh, you know from a mindset standpoint to um, to really uh, confront anyone that we felt were being disrespectful to us or mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Or, or wanted to you know settle an argument you know through fisticuffs. I mean you know, we all, we were all born in different environments, but I think that's something that's been embedded into the culture. And what Mm -hmm. I'm hearing is that, that notion, um, that idea gets challenged when, when raising kids, that, 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 that there's a different type of insight and perspective that comes into what do you hand down to your, to your, uh, to your son or daughter around that. That's right. And, and, and to add to that, I know of divorces and situations,
4: and some of you guys may have this, where you see the ex-husband and the ex-wife come together as if they're married. They're traveling together with their kids. And you know right there that during the marriage, things were done appropriately where, when it just didn't work out because of the right reason, they had to divorce, but yet they can still be in sync and, and kind of you know maintain the family, so to speak. But they keep that at moments. So,
2: yeah. That's that's a very rare thing, and I'm 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 privileged to be experiencing something similar to that. Um, Amen. Yeah, but I, I I think yeah that that's important. That's where you get both parents agreeing that it's not about me, it's about the children. You know. You got it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know the challenge then becomes you know that goes back to your original point you know <laughs> you got to pick the right one <laughs> <laughs> you got to fit it out.
7: a point
2: the
7: the profits <laughs>
2: at the point where you buy, right? Right. Family structure, what family
6: she grew up in. That's that's exactly. Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I I think I think my my point on all this, I think you guys have great points, is that. Whether a relationship works or doesn't work, I think as 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 fathers and as black men, as you if, if you can show an example of of working that problem out uh, and let your kids see that, you know uh, you know every relationship is not perfect, right? My my I got lucky. My parents were married for 40 years, but I watched how they 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 solve issues, right? There's lots of times you have to solve issues with your part, you know, your wife now, or or your you know, and I need I was privy to that. You know, so I'm approaching problems and solving, and I I like to, 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 to share that with, 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 with my kids, because problems are going to come up. It's not just a fairy tale and you've got to, you've got to, they, they, I think kids learn by watching more than we tell them, right? If I tell my son, AJ, Hey man, I want you to kind of respect women and here's your head. And he's like, that he's going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But if I'm doing it and I'm showing them how to solve problems with my partner or, or add value or create love and happiness on all those coins, you know, I, I, he's picking that up, you know, same with the girl, you know, will it happen tomorrow? No, but that's a, that's a, that's something that I think kids need to see as a father. You need to show them that, you know, it's, it's not automatic.
1: You know, so, let me, let right. me throw something in a mind. Just not, oh, Cause I, not, I'm going to tell you not, man, basically, you,
7: not basically playing, playing the dozens with your kids. What was that, John? Say that again, too. I, I, I was saying the, the, about the conflict is you never say anything bad. I never said anything bad about her mother. I kept the courts. To me, the courts in my head, the court was. I walked in the court. The judge opened a folder. I'm like, this is all in a folder. This is not. This is just in a folder. Mm. And
2: then high, high I never
7: talked about this. is, be, this will be playing the dozens with your with your own kid? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I want to take take this uh, on another spin. You know, we're having this conversation around Black men, Black fatherhood. I mean, this is what I Am Five-Fifths is all about. It's about the Black male voice. The majority of us, I'm sure, know men of other races that have kids. What conversations are you having with your kids that you don't think you're white, asian latin or indian counterparts are having with theirs and what conversations do you think it is important to the utmost to have with your with your kids and i know on here some of you all might have mixed race kids i'd love to just hear the thoughts around that
2: i have a biracial children a biracial son um and you know, I think with, you know, I try not too hard
7: to, you know,
2: what's the word for? Project um, how I influence and, and try to raise him in comparison to some of his white counterparts. I mean, sometimes i I find myself kind of falling into that trap, you know, because he'll come home and say, "Hey, dad, you know, I just left so and so's house. You got to see it." I mean, I live in Marin County, and you know, my my, my the, you know when when you're dealing with privilege and you're surrounded by that privilege, you know, it, it can be tricky to try to balance that out. You know, um, I things that his white friends, you know, are able and capable of doing. Uh, I don't have any real sense of whether or not he is able to, you know, follow in suit because he's half black, you know, or half white. In in the back of my mind, I'm still raising a black son in a white environment. So, you know, it's a matter of, you know, for me, uh, just making sure he's, you know, well aware of who he is, you know, and just self-confident and, and, and not, you know, having to be consumed by, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's challenging. It, it definitely is challenging, especially in this day and age, you know, everything's technically, you know, the, the internet and social media kind of, you know, impart their own set of challenges, you know, uh, I'm not sure what he's what kind of information he might be getting uh, outside the home or beyond me that might be counter to what I'm trying to teach and practice so there's a large degree of vigilance on my part I think you know where I find myself you know sometimes you know it's it's subconscious you know I, I just kind of find myself checking our conversations you know making sure that he's aware that you know you you black you know what I mean and even though we're in this environment,
0: you know, you do you do you think that that's uh? Do you think that that could be also be kind of your own bias that's coming into? Oh,
2: Even well, I'm fact projecting that, like crazy, no yeah. doubt.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But
2: it's again, desert, that, desert. that becomes a challenge. You know, that becomes a challenge because again, I I have to count. You know, I feel like my one of my main duties is to protect my children. You know, I just feel like that's something that. I I must do, and there's a lot of external influences in in the environment. You know, it, it it'll present a lot of challenges. You know, to trying to raise your children. You know, to be self confident, and 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 then you know, going on what John was saying earlier. You know, I find myself to be more of an authoritative approach uh where you know i don't want him to make stupid mistakes and i'm always checking him on that but at the same time i want him to be able to learn from his mistakes you know so i don't know maybe that was a complicated way of saying that you know i'm aware of the fact that you know there's a racial uh, uh, component to how uh, you know and how i need to navigate that with my child being biracial and keeping that in balance with the environment that he is and the expectations that that environment has, has is placing on him. Sure. So we
0: have about, we have about 10 minutes left. So I, we, I think Bill, that's such a great question. So I, I want to keep that. I want to hear some more answers uh, or perspectives to that question. Such a great question. And then um, um, I have one more question after that, um, before we'll, we'll start looking to kind of wrap this up. Anyone else want to chime in on that?
7: Uh, are we still still on biracial kids or kind of the
0: challenges yeah no we're still there it wasn't just about biracial it's just just what i think bill kind of constructed um is there anything that is different in terms of what you have to convey to your your children versus other different racial or or uh, or or ethnic groups is that right bill
1: yeah, it's not just biracial. I'm just yeah, saying it's not
0: biracial, but right.
1: Yeah. But but if your kid is biracial, I mean, I've okay. you know, I've had those conversations that how is the child viewed? If the father, say the father is black and the mother is white, how is the child looked at? Is the child seen as being black or is the child seen as being white or just biracial? I've I've heard the whole gamut. I mean, look, I did an ancestry.com. <laughs> I found out I got way more white blood in me than I thought. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know, so so anyway. I could have told, told you I could have told you that, bro. Well, hey man, <laughs> no, I, 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 a- Ancestry
0: made it a-
1: ancestry made it real
0: clear. It just confirmed our thoughts. I'm playing with you, man. <laughs> but go ahead, man. So I, I think Bill's question, I mean, like, there are a lot of things. I mean, one of the things that you often hear you know, um, is, you know, it comes up at least in the media, because I think this is a, a narrative that we throw out there. And I don't necessarily know whether it's true or not, but but you know, that, that's that's what we put out there. You know, you talk about the talk, you know? So, I mean, I, I think that's like something that um, um, would be considered the type of distinction that Bill is referring to, just a, a wide range of things. But anyhow, I'll, I'll turn it back over.
1: John, you know where it came from, man, is like growing up in Detroit, I remember telling someone once, like, the conversations that my folks had with me around the police department was not the same conversations yeah. that my white, Asian, Latino, etc. counterparts had. The, because in, in the Black community, the police were not seen as allies. Like, it was not like if you were in trouble, go call the police, they'll come and help you. Whereas a lot of my friends of other races, they always felt like, oh yeah, if we got in trouble, you go to call a policeman to come help you. And, and in Detroit, it was a lot of times, it was the police causing the problem. <laughs> right.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, go, go, go ahead, John. We'll, we'll let you yeah. guys explain. I've that. had that talk with
7: her. Um, I've had that talk with my daughter, the police talk. It was a short talk. Um, she's not male. Um, and then she's biracial. But the one thing that we had is that culturally, you know, her side of the family of immigrants, which actually grew up in a black neighborhood in mine a neighborhood in San Francisco. Um, so the thing was with me was she didn't grow up with my side of the family. She's more of an immigrant, and I told her to embrace that because that's part of who she is. So I didn't want, her to, I wanted her to embrace that because that's her family, also didn't want her to be ashamed of uh, African american Blackness, American Blackness, however you want to say it, but I also didn't want her, which I've seen a lot of biracial kids, is to try too hard to be Black when that's really, you're an imposter and that's really not your culture. Um, you're, you're, it's more like that and her, and she's struck
0: the right balance so far. Anyone else want to chime in on that? I do. I'd like to
2: say, I'd like to add to that. I think environment, social environment plays a a huge role in it too. I mean, you know, if you live, if you're in a a family, um, you know, where everyone's relatively educated and somewhat well off, you know, that's going to be somewhat different. That environment and experience will be somewhat different than someone who's less, you know, affluent and and growing up poor in the hood. But oddly enough, that, that you know, there's no guarantee that just because, you know, you grew up in an affluent neighborhood that you're going to be any less, uh, uh, your life is going to be any less easier or harder. I, I think with, you know, it, the expectation is always that, you know, if you come from the hood, you know, it's going to be hard, but that's not always the case, you know, and I think that, uh You know, I've I've tried to raise my kids to not necessarily take that opinion that just because you're from the hood that life you know that you're going to be singled out by law enforcement or you know that you, you know I I don't I don't I don't really buy into that notion. Um, I just think uh, you know that that home environment is really critical. I think uh, you know your your emotional intelligence plays a huge role in it, and uh, yeah, I think that that.
0: That's pretty much all I can add to it. So, so BMAC, I I, I want to jump in and, and kind of get an answer from you on this, given the fact that you, when you adopted um, your your son, you know he was a young, sprawling teenager, and I know that you um, really jumped in there to really make sure that the type of schools that he went to and um, and that his representation as a as a black male was would not kind of fit into some of those stereotypical environments that um, sometimes we could find ourselves uh, environments that could kind of pull us into can you just speak a little bit about for you if there was any type of distinction that you had to do with raising kind of the sprawling young black uh, black black kid and
6: sprawling he is too (laughs) (laughs) Very, spraw- I mean, so sprawling that I mean, I'll take that in a couple of different layers, right? First was, you know, uh, when he first started going out with girls, uh, I, I spent a lot of time giving him popcorn money and talking about, you know, opening doors, getting getting the girl home, um, trying to create an environment where the, he, he's looking and respecting black women uh, in, in a very in a very focused and 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 and. and strategic way, Uh, I I think, you know, I mean, you know, my, you know, we we used to hang out. It's easy, you know, you can roll around being single and that crazy, but you have to, you have to, you have to deliver a core to, to young black. You you
0: don't, you don't have to bring that up. I'm saying, you you know, Ahmad, (laughs) how bad things can get,
6: (laughs) but, but I think part of my job, you know, and back to what Armand, Armand was saying was protecting your child, but also you know it, 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 that's part of the story of of creating a, a base at a young age of of respect, and then also that that fine line. Uh, you know, pulling him out of school, putting him in new schools, and and having him uh, understand what it what it means to be a brother in a, in a in a different environment, and and it goes beyond just police, right? It goes on the the, the mental, the mental. Um, two that you have to build for your black kids to be able to navigate America and the nuances of, of you know, racial aggression, microaggressions. It goes long, you know, long beyond uh, 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 interaction with police. I think I'm, I'm concerned about is mental welfare, you know, is mental health uh, is 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 what I work harder on. And we've had the talk with the police, and like, do, you know, the stands down. Give us a call, you know. You know, I, that's less of a concern for me. It is physically, but mentally, I'm more worried about the nuance of the teacher who didn't understand the black kid, uh, or the, the subtleties of work and stuff. That's going to, yeah. you know, what I mean. Wow. So I, you understand that that combo. I don't need to go further than that. Wow. But that's wow. that's where and it's, it's hard. I mean, you, you want your 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 kid to, to grab the world like it's your oyster, but you also say, well, you're while you're out there, be careful of this too, right? And you don't want mm-hmm. to too much of a lens. You don't want to project too much of a lens from our side. I think our generation has probably had it harder than our kids in terms of hits in that, in that arena. So I want to temper it because I don't want to give him my, my baggage, but give him the tools because
0: it's real. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to hold your brothers too long. Cause I think we're, we're going on the, the last uh, couple of minutes here, but um, Bill, and I know you may have a couple of questions, I just, I, I just want to just ask you guys, so what about your own well-being and self-care? I mean, do, do you, you know, what, what do you do uh, in the midst of, um, you know, the world that we live in and, you know, the, the, the media and the images of Black men sometimes being more negative negative, um, and just being a father, trying to be the best human you could be as a father, what do you do for your own sense of self care uh, in this world? You know, let me, let me uh, speak a little bit on that.
4: I think uh, and you guys can obviously, I, th- I would suggest and, and even recommend that you do it. Every once in a while, I'll ask my kids, name me three positive things that I'm doing as a father, as a parent, and, you know, and I'll, as well as go ask your mom, and then give me three negative things, and you'll be amazed at what you get you know, every so many months when you ask that question or every once a year have it, often you do it. But, you know, it's better than going into the mirror and patting yourself on the back and saying, yep, yeah, I'm doing this, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think it's up to you, man, to just get that real self, you know, uh, check and, and ask those questions. And I think that kind of puts it into perspective as how you're doing and try to address it and move on and and adapt and, and do better. Um, so for me, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think um you know from being a father uh it, it starts at home within these four walls and and how you assess yourself and how do you adapt and, and improve or or keep it the same keep it moving
1: so so KL man you know i know your sons man you got some good boys man them some them some, some tight young thanks boys. man yeah
4: thanks bill so, and, yeah. I, and i
1: have to give you your props man because i know it's not easy raising kids Why don't you share with us, man, maybe one of the things, if you feel comfortable doing it, you know, one of the things that they said that was good, and maybe one of the things that
4: was not so good, if you feel up to Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, (laughs) I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples, you know, during the pandemic and like the first three or four months, uh, my oldest runs downstairs, he's 16, at the time he was 15, and he says, hey, dad, he says, "Um, man things seem to be moving quite fast inside this home you know everybody's excited we're all happy but but at the same time outside you know people are dying people are suffering i say man you just said two profound things right there first you gave me kudos to your mom and i in terms of what we're doing inside that's keeping you guys happy and moving but at the same time from a spiritual standpoint you're getting out of your own way and thinking about others and that's something that, you know, you know, I, I commend you on. Um, but one of the things, when I asked that question to your point about the positive things and the negative things, um, one time he came in and he said, hey, dad, you know, uh, the, the one time you, you know, when I came into the house from school, you said, go clean the kitchen. And you just jumped right on me. You didn't even give me a chance to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yet Caleb has been, you know, my youngest name is Caleb and he's 11. He's been here for, you know, a few hours. You know, Caleb's been here for two hours. Why didn't you get him to do it? And I said, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, if you understand, your chore is to clean the kitchen. It ain't for Caleb to do. So self-check, dude, you should be cleaning. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So so put Uh, both of them little Negroes to work, right? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and one of the other things, you know, I do a lot of texting from time. We all got friends. We all got people we associate with. You know, I play a lot of golf. Uh, and sometimes I got to, you know, ask my wife, am I playing too much? I Ask my brothers, you know, I got a board of directors, my, my good friends who are in my circle. Uh, we all do self-checks and say, hey, man, you may be doing a little bit too much golf and not spend a little bit, you know, more time with your kids. Uh, so that's being that physical father in the house, but yet not being a father as you should be. Uh, but one of the things that my son pointed out one time we were watching a basketball game he was like, dad, you, you, you got your head down and you're texting all the time. You know, why Why can't you just watch the game with me? And man, it, it took me back. You don't realize what your kids are paying attention to. And when, when he did that, I say, you make a valid point. I say, yeah, I'll put this phone aside. We'll watch the game together and we'll talk about the game. So those are opportunities where I kind of like, okay, your kids, man, that's smarter than you. We learn from our kids, man. And if you listen to them, um, you, you, you learn very quickly that you can also do a little bit better in terms of being a parent or being a father. So yeah, that's that's one of the things that-
0: uh, Just a couple more, a couple of people want to chime in on uh, self-care? I'll, I'll
3: say, um, Sundays are, Sunday mornings are daddy's time for himself. So the kids know that I get up early, I'm out of the house by six and I'm on a hike and I get home anywhere from 10 to noon. And so, yeah, like, I mean, that that's really important. I. I regularly go to therapy. I meditate, Um, you know, and I mean, I guess what I will say, I appreciate the question because, um, you know, it's it's hard being the father
7: that I want (laughs) to. We got to.
2: Michael, I'm sorry to cut you off. Can you run that back? We lost the last 10 seconds of
3: that. So, uh, so just talking about my own um, challenge with mental health um, and post pandemic, uh, my psyche basically said, brother, I need to break down. <laughs> like I, you know. And so I went through a real period of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. because of just everything that was going on. And, you know providing for my kids and trying to keep them straight during this pandemic. And so what I've learned through that is that um, the self-care that I had pre-pandemic was not enough. (laughs) Like I needed to up level my game, both just to deal with the pandemic, but also Bill knows, you know, trying to start a new business and, and it just wasn't enough. And so, that my, that was my psyche basically saying brother up your game because you will not be able to perform and contribute to the world in the way that you need
1: to and your family so I had to take it a lot more seriously. Mike I want to just say man I, I really appreciate your transparency on here man it, it goes without saying that we wanted this to be an environment where brothers could just be open and honest because that's probably why You know, I know you, man, you are a real transparent cat and you're very open and honest about what's going on. And for the brothers in the room that don't know, man, this brother, Michael has an MD and a PhD, you know, and I've always respected the fact that he's not one of these brothers that runs around um, trying to throw his, his credentials in people's face but he's always just been a cat that's been very just honest and open about where he is and what he's trying to do. Um, so Michael, thank you, man. For, for because you know, the hard thing is, the, hold on, the, the, the hard thing is sometimes is talking about life's failures and in, 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 in life. Cause all of us, man, you know, every brother on here I know has done amazing things, but the hard time is, when you fail and you fail hard and sometimes you fall flat on your face. You know, there was a poem by ruler Kipling and you brothers probably heard it called If. And one of the things it says is you got to treat triumph and disaster both the same because they're both imposters. So Mike, thank you brother for that. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you
3: for getting us together. This is, this is our soul nourishing, man, soul food.
1: Hey, hey, Ahmad, Uh I'm going to do a quick commercial, man. Me and Ahmad, we've been rapping about doing an in real life event next summer where we can create an environment to have like these real discussions in some type of uh, in real life forum, like a retreat um, where Mm -hmm. we can get black men together to have these open and honest conversations that are relevant to just us. Yeah, and and, and and for and for the Hoopers, for the OG Hoopers, we might even have a, a basketball court. So, Mike, bring your <laughs> medical equipment for all the brothers that might be getting <laughs> yeah, no, torn God. ligaments and you ain't ACLs.
0: Speaking about me. You ain't speaking you ain't about me. just yeah. <laughs> next So, so I, so th- thanks, thanks, Dollar Bill. So, I have, I have one last question for me, man. That I'm just interested in. So. Do you guys all think, man, that you get your due, man, on Father's Day, man, so you just get that ugly-ass tie?
4: I get
2: the ultimate, ultimate gift.
0: And a big piece of chicken,
2: as Chris Rock said. I get the <laughs> ultimate gift. I get left alone. So I love
4: it. <laughs> what was the question?
7: <laughs>
0: my dude, gift dude, ain't
4: the- coming from my kids. I just put it like that to keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do do you brothers feel like you get your due on Father's Day, uh, or you know? Because usually, man, it's that it's that uh, it's that fake ass tie that everyone leaves after after breakfast, and and, you know.
1: Or the big piece of chicken,
2: right? Uh, I miss I miss my kids when when my kids were young. Father's Day had a lot more meaning to it. My my all my kids are adults now, and it's a different dynamic altogether. But I still get the phone call and I still get the 15, 20 minute conversation and I love you dads and you know you're not such a bad dad after all. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I
7: Can I just I say one last do, thing though? All my all my, to... all my all my gifts are golf all my gifts are golf
4: related. <laughs> oh, that's my kind of gift, brother. I like it. Hey, love and, it. and there's that there, there's
7: no I taught my daughter how to drive. She was on the drive on a golf cart. I was like, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to go drive a golf cart. Sold. Let's go.
2: Armand, <laughs> <laughs> what were you we going to say? I just want to end it with, with that piece, that self-care piece. You know, I love my God walk every morning, a good hour and a half. Gives me time to kind of separate and, and, and go inward. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think it's important to, to, to do that and take care of oneself. But then, too, I think on the follow-up conversation, love to really talk about the whole mental health piece, you know, because I think that's something that we tend to overlook, you know. Mm-hmm. We take on so much, man. We really do as Black men, as Black fathers, you know. Uh, we take on a monumental amount of uh, stress and anxiety. And I'd love it for us to get to a point where we can start dealing with that, you know, because, you know, life is short. Many of us, you know, are looking at a horizon line, you know, and, and let's let's face it, let's let's get the most out of it before we get there. So, uh, you know, we've done so much to take care of these children, you know, I'd love it for us to, you know, to be able to have that time where we can really take really, really good care of ourselves.
1: So, Mike, you see why I asked you, man, if you can help connect us with some mental health mental health professionals. Because this is one of the things Amad and I want, we've been talking about doing next, is we want to do a forum about mental health for Black men.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, hey, I want to just say this, Amad mm-hmm. in closing, man, again, man, these are some bad brothers. I am so glad we did this, man. This will be the first of many. I guess as we close out, man, because I'm looking at, we almost going on two hours. How about we just close out with each brother, just give a nugget, you know, with that one solid piece of advice that you would want to give to maybe like a 20 or 30 year old, a younger black father, Uh, just drop some nuggets, man. And I think a mile, unless you've got something else, man. Maybe that's how no, we I, close I, it out.
0: What I could do, I just want to add this because as I'm looking at this, man, I, I'm seeing such a, a wide range of of folks here, man. And I know Bill and I, we we wanted to kind of stay away from, you know, well, you know, this is this is what I do and all this stuff. But I think it, I think as you give that advice, man. I mean, I want you guys to kind of talk. I mean, not talk, but just mention. You know uh, your sector or or anything kind of related to that, so we could really have our audience see the broad range uh, that you guys all represent as well. So with that, um, anyone go for it uh, a
6: you mean, a sector uh I, I i don't know
0: what you mean yeah i mean like you know like barry you're in you, you know you're in you know you're in finance that's a sector you know okay. or you're we're, or we're an work. investor all that stuff so anything you want to share but we just want to kind of show a kind of a kaleidoscope of um, just the various type of uh, men that we have on here we didn't want to start with that because we didn't want that to, to fully kind of define disengagement. But now as I'm kind of like looking here, you know, you guys all come from so many different spectrums. And I think that's the beauty of, of this conversation as well. So anyway. Got it. Got
4: it. Yeah, I can start off. Um you I, know, again I can Kevin. go. I'll go quick. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. Okay. Um, so I'm in the engineering space um uh 24 years and counting and uh, the one bit of advice I would give, and it's one that uh, you know I would take from my my twin twin brother, in fact, and he's in California, uh, and that's to surround yourself with uh, what he would call a board of directors. So good brothers, single brothers, married brothers, uh, brothers who father without a, a wife, brothers who father just on their own, whatever it may be, because we all come from a, we all come from a different background. And we're all in this situation in a different way in terms of being a father. But when you do that, you can live and learn from each and every one of those those folks on your board of directors, where you can grow from it, uh, you can build upon it. Um, I got a I got a guy I know right now, uh, and I try to keep it short. Um, where he's divorced, he's a, he's a father, but yet because he's you know seeing his daughter every two weeks, he puts he goes hard hard in the paint in terms of what he does for that and it pulls me out of my house with my kids to go along with him where I don't know if I would otherwise do as much as I do with my kids because of him so I mean that's exactly a, that's the perfect example of uh being a father not only inside the house but outside the house but you know I would just share just surround yourself the brother that's 20 or 30 years old when you become a father surround yourself with other men who who are doing the same thing but doing it in a different way and, and that's what I would recommend
0: Thank you, Kevin. Yep, John,
7: Jonathan. So we're doing the kind of like brief summary of it, our background.
0: Yeah, summary and just your last, your advice that that you would kind of give. What what okay. would you depart with, real quickly? Um,
7: uh, okay, but so first, I want to uh, piggyback on what Kevin said to to the young men, especially if your father is. The fatherhood life, you know, a guy, as soon as their relationship or their marriage breaks down, they think that automatically includes that their fatherhood part is broken down and that's not the case. So always stay focused at are always a father, If you're divorced, right, whatever, you're still a father, always. Um, so as far as what I'm doing now, I do like reentry sort of work, um, do web design, web development, um, digital marketing and uh using guys that were incarcerated that have coding skills that can't get jobs and can't get any work to build a portfolio so just actually i just finished finishing up a project with the national science foundation and two of the guys three had uh, uh were incarcerated one guy just spent just got out a while back to work and he has he was in jail he was in prison for 25 years and he's helped me out with coding and then now he's doing some pile so um just uh, that work i'm doing right now oh i want to say about healthcare, health care health help taking care of yourself like i think that's really important that's why i want to reiterate my day starts with self-care It doesn't start with me opening a laptop so i don't get to top until about maybe 12 and then i'll work into the evening but i start with my breathing exercise my workout and, and my my diet and that's how i start my day every day and you're looking good, brother. Get the hair. Brother Michael. See now. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pissed off people were talking about uh, uh, Bill needs a haircut. Man, I would give anything for a jacked up pro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. <laughs>
3: love it. Thank you, brother. Brother Michael. Um, so yeah, so I'm in uh, healthcare, as as Brother Bill um, mentioned. I've worked in biotech, um, an aspiring venture capital uh, investor, but man, um, I've been doing diversity and inclusion consulting and um, health equity innovation consulting. And I mean, I guess I just feel so grateful to um, be you know, like I wanna leave this earth fully used up. <laughs> That's my goal. Um, and so I'm just grateful that, that I can contribute. Um, and I guess what I would um, say to the 20 or 30 year old brother is, um, I mean, life is such a gift. And, you know, we, I think it was Armand that was just talking about the pressure that we put on ourselves as black men. Um, and I know, oof, I've, I've um, yeah, I've dealt with that. And so the idea of taking the pressure off of ourselves and simply challenging ourselves to learn from every experience, I think takes at least some of the pressure away, right? Like life is not pressure free, but I think if you focus on what you can learn from each experience, and you know, there's a lot of wisdom here today um, it'll put you in good stead. So I really appreciate
0: y'all. It's good to have you here, brother. Brother Herman. So I, I work as
5: a, um, fatherhood advocate, fatherhood, uh, specialist. I'm also a sports psychology consultant. So, um, I'm actually trying to bridge both disciplines together. I think uh, a lot of the athletes, could benefit from um, some of the specialization that i work with but i think the nugget that i would probably like to just leave is the fact that this whole process goes quick you know um it's fast um embrace every day um not about everything's gonna be perfect but just be intentional and be mindful of every day and i think as a father to be to 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 Deal with your kids like that.
0: Just be mindful. Brother, thank you, brother B Mag. Uh,
6: my background's in investment banking, finance. Um, uh, so, perspective. I, I do do juggle a lot with my time. I would say, I would say, um, I would say uh, for for advice, is is just just get get in the game, get wet get dirty uh you don't have to you don't have to be perfect you know everything you do is not always going to be right just show up to the game and kind of figure it out right just like any kind of game you kind of you, you know you take what the defense gives you <laughs> you figure it out but you got to get on the field right and you don't have to be everything doesn't have to be just right you know and you know don't get on yourself if, if if something's wrong or you came at it wrong that's all right just just be present and i find
0: that that typically things kind of work out you know you learn it as long as you get in there I definitely believe that that is something to follow in your fatherhood, but I've seen your defense in basketball, bro. Not sure <laughs> necessarily that, uh, that adds up. But I'm on the court. But I'm
6: on the court.
0: <laughs> You're on the court. You're on the court.
6: I'm on the court.
0: <laughs> you are on the court, brother. No doubt. No doubt. Du- I'm, sure, I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure that I'm sure fatherhood plays. I'm I'm sure you're very successful in that in fatherhood, man. So, I all the time.
6: Oh man,
2: brother, brother Armand. Uh, Armand, let's see. I'm in construction. I'm a general contractor. I've been and an entrepreneur. I've been running my own shop for about 16 years now, um, mostly residential and um right now transitioning into doing development work. Um, I, the advice I'd like to give my youngest self, uh, Vera. thank you for the football metaphor because it helps me. The advice that I'd like to give myself is, I, I, my younger or 20 year old uh, would be, you're gonna fall down, you know, just accept that. I can't remember who said it, but maybe it was Vera or Kevin Winning, said. But the important thing is to bounce back, you know, is to get back up. And I pride myself on being a bounce back king. And uh, the other thing I would say, um, you you know, you really do have to be patient. Um, And here comes the football metaphor. You want to be patient, but you always got to be moving the chains. And, you know, got to be moving the chains forward, you know, and not back. So I would say, you know, you're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked down. Being a father is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given mankind. And I think as long as you can just stay true to, you know, there's a purpose for you, for us all being here, you know? Um, However, you know, being a father is, 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 is beyond just like, I think someone was saying the, the, the physical act of uh, procreation, it's more about that spirit and being able to reach deep inside yourself and, 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 and be able to like, uh, uh, Jesus said, you know, just be a good steward, a good shepherd, if you will. So, um, yeah, bounce back and move the chains is what I would tell I like that. Great.
0: Well, I want to thank each and one of you for just coming on here and and not only just dropping wisdom and and bringing your full selves here but really um, just providing just a kind of i can feel your i can feel your spirits coming off the screen here and i think bill said it best um, that this is just one of many forms that we want to have on a on a wide range of things but we felt that fatherhood was just a great starting place. And I just wanna thank each and one of you for coming on. And we also just look forward to working with you in some capacity as well. So thank you brothers. And i am let Bill kind of finish this up here.
1: Hey man, uh, Ahmad knows I always like to end out our broadcast man with some lyrics uh, to a song man that we probably all remember from our day, man. So. I'll just say, man, it's just coming strong. McFadden and Whitehead, ain't no stopping us now. We on the move. So, (laughs) hey, man, on that note, I just want to thank all you.